It's Wednesday, April 29th. Welcome to Market Forward. I'm Chris Hill. With me from a safe social distance, Andy Cross. Good to see you, my friend. Chris, good to see you. I hope you're safe and your family's safe too. Yes. Everybody wash your hands. I haven't said that in a while. Everybody just wash your hands. Yeah, we can't get complacent. Got to keep washing your hands. Uh, We have got Starbucks today. We have got MasterCard, but we're going to start with Alphabet. Alphabet, the first quarter revenue came in higher than expected. The report was pretty good, but I... This seems like one of those times where it was the conference call that is driving the stock. The comments from Sundar Pichai, the CEO, and Ruth Porat, the CFO, that 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 seems like what is pushing the stock up 8 9% today. Yeah, Chris, I mean, Sudar and Ruth, I think, are just really two top managers in the way they talk to their to their investors, to their employees, they really, the way they run the business. I think I think we've talked about how important Ruth has been to to the just the discipline of, of Alphabet and Google over the last few years. So um, she tends to be very, I think, conservative and so talked about the real challenges they had in this in this quarter, especially late. Sundar talked about a tale of two quarters to take a take a a nod from the Charles Dickens novel. Um, The fact that early on it was very positive, things were going very well, and then really in March with with ad sales dropping by 10% in March. So it was a very tough end to the quarter. Uh, And the guidance, they they were very conservative, I think, just talking about what's going to happen in the ad market going forward. We don't know how much of the the increase in traffic will monetize, but but clearly investors are excited by uh, of which I am one, excited by um, what is happening at, at Google. I mean, they, like you said, the revenues came in a little bit higher. They were thirteen percent um, up, fifteen percent on a constant currency. The strong dollars had a big impact on so many businesses. Um, EPS was a little bit light, but it was really just more talking about what's what the future is uh, is having and and the impact that that COVID nineteen is having just on their business, but also in the world. I mean, I was just some, some comments from the call, for example, 100 million students and educators are now using Google Classroom. That's double the number from just March. So just March, it's, just, it's an extensive use of, of Google um, systems, a massive increase in demand from Chromebooks, Sundar said. Um, so just there's continued interest. YouTube uh, revenues were up 33% in the quarter, up now more than $4 billion. Uh, so it's just a continued emphasis on the way that Google is managing their business and, and the, the value they are uh, contributing. And I think some excitement now in the analysts, uh, a lot of analysts upgrades this morning, just that the advertising market isn't going to be as bad as, as someone had expected. Well, and you're right to say that Ruth Porat is someone with a history of being conservative, but I think the conservatism was certainly warranted over the past couple of months. I mean, you think about the impact of the travel industry, and then you have comments from executives at Expedia saying things like, we normally spend $5 billion a year in advertising. This year, we think we're going to cut that by 80%. We're basically going to spend $1 billion, not $5 billion. And so, it's easy to just draw a straight line from comments like that to, well, what is the impact going to be for a business like Google, where Expedia spends a ton of money, and they're not the only one? So, I think they were appropriately conservative. And uh, you know, when Ruth Porat basically says, we think the worst is behind us, all the more reason for optimism. 
Yeah, and she said that we anticipate a second quarter that will be difficult for the advertising business. So I think again, she's just trying to be um, transparent and honest with investors and and their their uh, their employees. They've they've talked. I mean, going into the call, Chris, right? I think there were expectations that they were going to lower their capex spending, and she mentioned that they will that will be that will be um, tempered throughout the year. Uh, talking about about uh, some hiring freezes at Google and at the parent company. So just managing their costs. They've done a very good job. I think of managing their costs. Um, interesting enough, they will continue with their buyback program. I know we've seen a lot of companies kind of suspend their buyback program, but they're going to continue um, with it. And they bought back um, $20 billion in the first quarter. That was much uh, way down from the $37 billion they bought in the first quarter of last year. But they are continuing to do that, and they generate $25 billion in free cash flow a year. So they have the cash to do that. But interesting, they're going to continue to do that. So I think, from my perspective, I think it's a, obviously a very large cap stock, more than short dollars a market cap. Um, it will, I think, it has the potential to continue to be much more dominant in our lives post-COVID, which is one reason why I think um, uh, I, why I continue, continue to own it and continue to like it. Um, and it's it's got a business model that I think is not going away anywhere. And, and the, the, the cloud business is just ramping up. It grew 50% this quarter. So that's just a, a, another bright star in the, in the Alphabet um, uh, universe. Last thing on Alphabet real quick. Uh, this is one of those companies, because of its size, because of the cash that they have, we've talked about Alphabet as being potentially more acquisitive in 2020 than they would have been otherwise. It seems like, given the comments of Ruth Porat, maybe that's not going to be the case. Yeah, I think that's probably, the, probably again, uh, I think that's the case, Chris. And I think uh, it's just the conservative nature that they, that they, um, that Ruth has brought to the financial um, world of, of Alphabet. And they do make, I mean, they made um, more than $2 billion of acquisitions last year. So it's they, they do make these, um, these tuck-in acquisitions, I think. And that, that I think that will probably slow down in this environment. MasterCard's first quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected. The stock up about 7% so far today. And this, you know, uh, similar, seems like a similar story to Alphabet in that expectations, rightly so, were definitely lower for MasterCard, as we'll probably see later in the week with Visa. That's right, Chris. They received a couple of big downgrades in the past couple of weeks that talked about the um, concerns over the lack of travel that the COVID-19 lockdown has has caused us all um, to face and uh, slower and lower cross-border payments activity, which is is, is a, a pretty important part to MasterCard's overall business. So going into the quarter, I think there were some very um, muted expectations. Uh, for the quarter, revenues were up 3% um, to three point, uh, to f- more than 4 billion, um, up 5% if you back out the strong dollar, and uh, earnings per share at $1.83 versus $1.72 uh, estimates. So they both, on the revenue side and the earnings side, they kind of beat some, some lowered expectations. Uh, Gross dollar volume across their business was up 8%, including a 9% growth on the international, which is 70% of the total. Their transaction growth across their cards was up 13%, number of cards up 5%. The cross-border fees were down 4%. So that's the real concern, I think, when you look at the margin of of revenues for MasterCard is just what will the impact of, of much lower um, travel, not just in the in the near term, but really as we go on for, for uh, the the 
the experiences that MasterCard um, card holders um, go through over the next year or two. So um, when I see like AJ say that we're seeing early signs of spending levels, spending levels stabilizing, I'm encouraged by by that by that talk. I think some of the expectations that the analysts had ahead were a little bit um, too dour. Uh, we were talking before about uh, Alphabet. Uh, they're keeping their buyback program going. Um, last month, MasterCard pulled their guidance. No surprise there. Uh, but uh, also now they've they've come out and said they are actually going to suspend the buyback plan. Yeah, and that's that's meaningful for Mastercard. They generate. I mean, their operating margins are more than fifty percent. They generate so much so much um, cash, and they have a very strong balance sheet um, with with. Uh, uh, Plenty of cash to 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 invest, and they've they've taken on some more debt recently and made some smart investments. I think, uh, but they'll continue to pay the dividend. It's not very big. I think it yields like 0.6 percent or something. So it's a small dividend. They're going to pull back on the on the spending for their share buyback. So that's something to watch because that that has been a meaningful part to the um, earnings growth of Mastercard. But again, in this environment, I think it's a it's a safe move for them. Uh, well, it, it, unfortunately, not every stock we're going to talk about today is uh, is up to the tune of seven to ten percent, because Starbucks' second quarter global same store sales fell ten percent. Mm. I'm a little surprised it wasn't even higher than that. But um, but uh, you know the stock is is not really taking a big hit. It's down somewhere in the neighborhood of twelve percent for the year, and the more I hear. Kevin Johnson, the CEO, talk, the more encouraged I am that uh, he's got a plan to, to get things back on track and, and get stores open again. I agree, Chris. I do. I really do like Kevin Johnson, the way he's run this business, the way he's been very vocal. They were very early on in recognizing the impact of COVID-19 and the 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 challenges because of what they experienced in China. The China comps were down fifty percent in the corner, Chris. So like that, you know, international itself was down thirty more than thirty percent um, comparable stores of uh, of in the quarter, um, contributing a big part to that minus ten percent. Um, and a- analysts were expecting eight and a half percent drop. So so they actually um, underperformed the analysts, which I think is also hurting the stock a little bit. But Kevin Johnson, I think, is a really uh, is a is a good CEO, a very effective CEO to have in this position. In, in this environment, I feel very comfortable that um, I've invested into Starbucks and owned it for a while, and I, I really like the way that he is, is um, talking and communicating to shareholders and to employees and the clients. They've been very out front on this. Um, and in the, the, a quarter that saw revenues drop 5%, their operating margin dropped to 8% versus almost 14% last year. We mentioned the comparable store sales um, drop. Um, in America's, it was down only 3%, but it's a drop of 7% in transactions. So again, it just talks about the lack of volume going through their stores. Interesting, I heard Kevin um, talk uh, today about that 80% of their orders already, even pre-COVID, 80% of their orders were already for takeaway. So they, they, they have an environment and they have an experience with how to handle handle um, consumers that aren't necessarily uh, uh, accustomed to going into Starbucks, sitting down there, you know, uh, and enjoying a, a, a half an hour, hour long meal that you might have at other restaurant stores. So their experience with takeaway and they've really amped up their drive through experiences really well um, in, in front of this. Um, but they just managed this business very well. And I think the stock reaction today um, is probably part of the impact. Part of that is like, listen, um, yes, it's not going to be over anytime soon, 
but this is a management team and a brand and a company that as it kind of as COVID-19 and, this, and the lockdown situation starts to to um, improve over the next you know, 6, 12, 18 months, um, Starbucks is a company that will be able to do quite well. And if you're a longtime shareholder, you've been spoiled for a while because I think it was 2009 was the last time Starbucks had a quarter where they put up negative comps. But I, I, I want to go back to the throughput for a second because uh, I, I also watched Kevin Johnson in that interview this morning. And one of the things he talked about was they are looking at early June as a target date to get all of the stores in the U.S. open again. Now, we're a long ways off from early June, mm -hmm. so we'll see if they can actually make that work. Uh, but one of the things he's touched on there was sort of the, this idea of, of throughput, of serving people um, right at the door. Um, obviously, as you said, 20% of their sales are people who actually do want to come in, hang out. Maybe they're going to have a meal. Maybe they're going to sit down with their laptop, do some work, write a screenplay, whatever. But I, it got me thinking about what does a future Starbucks location look like? And, and I know I'm talking you know, 6, 12 months down the road, but it is going to be interesting to see what Starbucks and other businesses like this, whether it's fast casual uh, or fast food, if they start to move to new locations where there's less space to dine in, where it's much more about the drive-through, it's much more about pickup and leave. Um, but more immediately, um, the, I think the next thing to watch with Starbucks is, are they going to be able to make this work by early June? Chris, I think that's a really great point. We've we've been talking about the movement of the restaurants to smaller footprints, more um, more takeaway. Leveraging technology, I mean, now Starbucks has almost, they're approaching 20 million loyalty members here in the U.S. now. Um, it was up 15% year over year. That's a big driver. They've, they've been a, a big driver of their sales. They've been um, very um, innovative in building out their 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 app. Um, I will note that 98% of stores in China are now open. Now, granted, they are operating in a very uh, a much more limited fashion in a different environment now than they were before. So again, they have Starbucks has experience with this in China. So when Kevin says that you know by June they should be he hopes to open up all the U.S. stores, they will be operating much differently than what they what we are used to at Starbucks stores. But again, this is a, a team that I think I have, a, I have a lot of faith in that they will be able to do that right. Um, now, I mentioned that 80% and the 20% number, that's one out of every five kind of orders are, are for in-store um, eating or in-store enjoyment. So that's not inconsequential. That is, that is an important part of their business. So they'll have to figure out how to kind of um, satisfy that environment if we have much lim more limited traffic going through the stores because so much more now is takeaway or delivery or smaller kiosks where you pick up your Starbucks um, beverages and um, meals and take it with you as opposed to eating in the store. But again, it's a management team that, that I have um, pretty high confidence they'll be able to get that right. Andy Cross. Thanks for being here. Hey, Chris, thank you. Be safe, my man. As always, people in the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.